Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. everybody and welcome to season two episode three with me laura arrowsmith and sophie hillier hey 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 i started then and nearly said johnson <gasps> throws me no i'm still yeah no I, I think i'm pretty pretty used to it I'm just gonna change my car reg i'm still slj on the car and i'm not i'm not dealing with that very well all my friends call me slj sludge sludge so i'm gonna be schlur don't love it schlur schlur thanks luca so hi everyone. Hope you're all okay. Um, I've found the American Us. Have you? I have. I mean, I've, I'm shouting out to a podcast that I've literally discovered. Thank you, Janine. Called Morbid. It's like a, a true crime podcast. And you're I not really it. selling it. Like, oh, it's remi- it's like us, but it's called Morbid. Yeah, but the, the two girls on there, Ashton and Elena, are just like I listen to them. I'm like, they are the American Us. I love them. I'll have a listen on the way home to see if I'm insulted or... You, you, you won't be able to hack it. It's gruesome. Mm. I don't mind a bit of, well, you know, I'm addicted to Grey's Anatomy at the moment. I'm all into the surgeries. Yeah, you are. I love it. Laura literally, like, messaged me and said, just having a break from surgery. <laughs> or I'm just going in for uh, Dr. Bailey's surgery. And I'm like, hun, you're not there. You're not I get into really, I get really involved with the characters. I even made um, all of us do the, if you've watched it, the Superman pose before you do a podcast. Because apparently if you put yourself in the Superman pose... It's been scientifically proven to make you perform better. So I thought, let's just all do it. Is that actually true, though? Or is that just for Grey's Anatomy? I have no idea. Who knows? We're, we're going to trust it. it. We're going to trust Grey's Anatomy because we both love it. So yeah, we did our superhero pose. Right. Tell us about today's episode, So, So there's no murder. You'll be glad to know. Uh, no superheroes. No Grey's Anatomy. So mm. today's episode, we're catching up on all the latest retail news. What is going on? Mainly Fendi and Skims. <laughs> yep. Chin, chin cuffs. cuffs. Chin cuffs. Uh, what else? We're talking about Oxford Street and the changes to retail. Loads of different things. We're quite loving not assigning a theme to an episode because it just means we've got so much to talk about. And every week, we're like, what are we going to talk about? Oh, this, this, this. And we feel like we can't leave it, like, even a couple of weeks because it's so topical and so just now that we just we just need to give you the good stuff. We need to talk about it. Um, and then we have a fabulous guest all the way from Australia. I mean, this is just amazing. This is exciting. Yes. Um, so we'll tell you more about Lucianne Tonti very shortly, but she is a sustainability advocate. Um, so lots of interesting conversation questions for her. Can't wait to chat. And then we've decided that like to know every week, it's not just going to be one product. It's going to be like two or two brands because every week we like squabble over what we're going to talk about or Laura will say like, oh, I want to talk about this. And I've got no idea what it is. <laughs> and I'm like, but I want to talk about this and let me. So, um, yeah, we've decided, well, we're, you know, things evolve, we're gonna things change. We're gonna share. We need to, you know, move and develop this podcast on and basically I think my idea is better than Laura but it's absolutely not but come on the journey with us come on the journey so in the know we're here and the first topic is a very very serious topic a very confusing topic could be sensitive (laughs) could be triggering for some it could be it definitely was triggering for me this morning when Laura told me about it I know I'm so sorry we're talking chin cuffs Chin cuffs. Chin flipping cuffs. I hadn't seen this. Ear cuffs. I lip don't cuffs. know. Heard about it. Chin cuffs. No. Angelina Jolie. What? Why? I don't understand. It was for the new, um, the latest Marvel movie that she attended with her kids, and she wore this um, quite a simplistic Balmain dress 
Yeah, she looks beautiful. Well, she is nice. But I just think maybe her stylist is like, oh, we need to elevate this simplistic gown. Why don't we stick a chin cuff on your face? She's Angelina Jolie. She doesn't need anything. Well, she's got that beautiful little, um, she's got like a little slit in her bottom lip that just makes it all pouty and beautiful. But she's hidden it with a little, little. I just don't get it. I mean, I am just going to put it out there. Like, I mean, I ain't just got one chin, hun. <laughs> what happens to the girls? Chin cuffs, plural. <laughs> like, is it going to be a stage cuff? I mean... Is it going to go down the neck? Is it going to, like, you know, invert into the creases of my other chins? That'd be so uncomfy, I mean, it? I just don't get it. I mean, and uh, you know, but I do wonder whether this is all a bit about PR around the film. Like, because everyone's talking about the premiere and what she wore. But all, mm. all the press is then about the... Is it The Eternals? I've no idea. I don't know anything about Marvel. I don't do Marvel. Um, I just find it a bit weird, but then I just know off the back of this, give it two weeks, boo-hoo, Primark are all going to be selling chin cuffs. See, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think this is going to translate. I I actually hope not because it's not not for me. I just, I know like the cat the cat the catwalk and red carpets and all this thing it's all about like setting these trends but i just don't understand i'd love to like speak to her stylist well i think just... her stylist and um what to call it hair and beauty entourage they're all getting sacked because in her <laughs> latest premiere or movie launch whatever it was that she went to the other day do you see her hair extensions? No. They were absolutely horrific. So they went like to here. Let's hit the mic. Laura's went to here. indicating to uh, halfway down her upper Boob arm. length. Boob, yeah. And then it was like thick and then it was just hanging down to like about hip length and you could see the line at the back. What the hell? Awful. Awful. So, so bad. So, you know, her stylist and her hairstylist, they're going. The entourage. Although I do love like how uh, she brings all her beautiful children. I love Angelina Jolie. I love her. And then she just looks absolutely stunning, but just has a weird piece of metal on her chin. She's fortunate to have one chin. Some of us aren't. She is. Lucky girl. Oh, dear miss. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be featured on our like to know anytime soon. Look, I mean, I've got to show you this picture of her hair extensions. I mean, oh my God, maybe that's supposed to be a look though. Is it though? Oh, I mean, it's not, again, it's not a look that works, guys. So, what, what have you Googled to get that? Angelina hair extensions. Angelina hair extensions. It's like, it's as if like there's some like weird thick layer in between. That's got to have been done purposely. Well, you'd like to think so, but also why? <clears throat> yeah, why? What, what are we gaining from this? Other than people talking, it's PR, isn't it? People going, what the hell yeah. is going on with Angelina? But, but you'd think a Marvel film doesn't need that extra. But also, if you're going to kind of get attention, you wouldn't do it for like something that looks really bad. No. You know? I want to know about the origin of the, the, the cuff. Chinkuff. Yeah. Like, where has it come from? Like, that's got to have been inspired by something or some look. Yeah, like some tribally yeah. trend. I don't know. Tell us, guys, if you know. Yeah, Anyway, you know, I'm going to move on for this chinkuff because it's it's very upsetting for someone with multiple chins. Um, I'm unhappy about talking about it anymore. I might go and cry. Let's talk about the new um, Skims and Fendi collaboration. I mean, oh. This is, I mean... <laughs> I've not bought anything from Skims. I've seen a couple of people buy it and say, oh, it's really lovely and soft, like the, like, teddy berry trousers. <clears throat> oh, I'm wheezing. Teddy berry and trousers set. Um, but I think, one, it's really spenny. And two, what she released a night dress. Did you see it? No. And it was like a maxi dress, like a cami maxi dress, but it had, like, around where the, the little boobies are, this area. I'm pointing it to my chest. It was, like, <laughs> cut out. And people are like, how are you meant to sleep in that? Because you're going to so wake up. So your boobs up. are hanging out? You're going to wake up with one tit out. 
Free the tit. Free the tit. Free the tit. But um, yeah, it's unrealistic expectations. I mean, you know, know us. We like to get into our woolly mm. Primark pajamas covered in <laughs> it's Disney nearly Udi season as well. It's Remember first Udi episode season. back to Udi? Yeah, I'm really I love it when it gets cold, so I can put my Udi on. But yeah, so Skims and Fendi collaborating, which I guess I'm quite surprised at because she's been wearing Balenciaga consistently yeah. for a very long time. So I thought there was something behind that. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and loads of people are kind of kicking off being like, why? Like, it's just her normal stuff. With, with a logo. It, with a logo all over it. But um, people will buy it. That's oh, just yeah. the nature yeah, of like, it's being sell out, influenced. It? And... But it's not something that I'm going to invest in. No, I think we just move on from that swiftly. Like, yeah. no. It's no, no thanks, and No thanks, and I want to talk about it because, you know, I'm just always super interested in um, retail space and, you know, what what's changed in, you know, in the retail landscape in the last... 18 months of everything that's been going on and Ikea, it was rumoured, but now it is official that Ikea have taken over the giant Topshop mm-hmm. store on Oxford Street, which is just crazy. I don't know how I feel about it because I think, like, I love Ikea. I do, yeah. Like, I love just mooching around and taking a living in all the different rooms. It. I'd, yeah, I'd have to trick him into going if we were going to go to you? Ikea. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to lie. But, like, I went to London last Friday and I was walking around Oxford Street having a little mooch and it was so weird Topshop not being there because it is almost like the heart of the... Of the... Of Oxford, of Oxford of Street. Street, yeah. It's right by the you station, isn't it? Oxford Circus and there it is and it's like... But I think the whole street's changed. Yeah. The whole yeah. street... I remember first going, my first trip to Oxford Street with my first boyfriend many moons ago and I saved up my money, used to work at Little Chef and, like, but that's when shopping was, like, a day out. Yeah. It wasn't just, I'm just going to pop to Primark and grab something mm. tomorrow night. It was like, so we saved it, we went to London. I was quite overwhelmed, actually. But, like, you'd just go from store to store, and it was just amazing. You could spend hours in Topshop. Um, and then I, obviously, hadn't been for a while. I, I do visit London on a regular basis, more so to go to the theatre, but I hadn't been, like, down Oxford Street and in the retail part until um, over the summer. I went down from my friend's Hendon and we were staying at the Hard Rock Hotel just off Oxford Street. So a lot of our walking to get to places was down. And I was just like, what? This is dead. Like, half mm. the street is closed. Like, the one of like, the really busiest sad. shopping hotspots in the UK, or probably at one probably point. The most be. famous street yeah. in the UK. Yeah. You know, people fly from all over the world to come to Oxford Street. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's just changed so, so much. Sad. But I just think, the first thing that I think of with this whole IKEA thing is... I would not want to get on at Oxford Circus and you've got couples like with no. flat pack wardrobes and sofas it trying to get work. on the tube and you need to get like sofas stuck in the door. And I just think there's no car park. So how what are you going to just pull up in a taxi, fill the car in on your way or yeah. try and get down the tube in rush hour when <laughs> just this vision with of your Malm drawers. I yeah. Love, I love me some Malm. <laughs> <laughs> a logistical nightmare isn't it yeah i don't get it and like do you remember when the one opened in birmingham like very, it was more like a a showroomy thing there was one like in, in like dale end wensbury no well that that is annoying as well because the ikea in wensbury is classed as ikea birmingham wensbury's right. a good like 10 yeah. 15 miles out of birmingham there isn't another Huns, one though is there no well there was one dale end like the other end of birmingham oh i didn't know um, that. it opened you know behind the ncp ncp car park i'm sorry to anyone that's oh, not from yes. birmingham but they yeah, opened yeah, one yeah. and it did not last long it was only very small oh, i thought it was just a pickup place though i don't really know i think it's like a bit showroomy pickup but again it's in a town center like i just mm. think 
I don't know. Maybe they're going to do something crazy with it. Maybe it's all going to be like, like a concept store with, yeah, rather than and a showroom. Because and the warehouse is massive. So where's that going to go? No, I don't know. It's really bizarre, isn't it? So I, th- I think it'd be interesting to see what they do with the space, and we don't quite yeah. know what that yeah. is yet. But they're quite good with innovation. Like, um, don't they have like a policy we can go and like give your old stuff back, and it's like refurbished? Ooh. Or I'm sure I've read that. I love somewhere. the bargain corner in IKEA. As Rob well. does as oh, well. It's oh, not oh, for me. I just oh, can't be bothered. Oh, me, no. I'm like yes. I feel like some, such satisfaction in finding a little no. bargain. Um, but oh. yeah, I think it'll be it'll be an interesting one. But it's just like that's not going to pull people to IKEA at a time where we need. Uh, not, I mean, not to IKEA to London to Oxford Street. No. At a time where we need things to be like coming back. Into well, the you economy. Need a car. Yeah, I just think it's. I don't know. I, I just. Yes, it might be interesting to see what they do in terms of technology and the retail space and and, and how they'll design it with retail changing. But like pe- the way people would like fly from all over the world to come to Oxford Street, people aren't going to fly to come to, to Oxford Street to go to IKEA. Like that's what I just don't get. Mm. Plus, it must be costing them an absolute fortune for that space. It is. It's an amazing space. It's just such a shame that, as one of the biggest like fashion streets in the UK, and it's, it's now IKEA. not going to be that. Mm. Um, I tell you where I went for the first time on Friday, and I can't believe it's the first time I've ever been Liberty. Oh my oh, god! Beautiful. I loved it. I must have spent like an hour and a half in there, just mooching around, looking at the fabric floor, the homeware. They've got either like, Christmas shop there, so I bought a couple of decorations. It's just absolutely beautiful. That is the customer experience. That's the yeah. English heritage. You've got, you know, all these amazing products, and that is why for me, like if I go to Oxford Circus or Oxford Street again, I'm going to go to Liberty for that experience. And I just don't know. If IKEA's got that pull no. factor to be like, yeah, really, I'm drawn to going. I think there's something very different about London department stores yeah. as like their flagship. And I yeah. think, you know, Selfridges, Harrods, Harvey Nicks, um, Liberty, as you said. I just think it, there's something different about that. Um, it's a shame when so many other it's iconic, stores isn't it? are but... clothing across the UK, but it just works mm. in London, doesn't it? But if you think about um, Harrods, Liberty, Selfridges, they've got that kind of like USP thing. Where I think like Debenhams just didn't, no. just didn't have it. Oh, and like John Lewis and I don't mind a bit of John Lewis, but <sighs> so expensive. It is so expensive, and yeah, I just it doesn't have that kind of like like Harrods is Harrods, like it's world renowned, isn't it? Yeah, and... it doesn't have that like the only thing. Oh, I think John Lewis had a think Christmas advert. Christmas advert. Yeah, that's gonna be on the next episode. I'm very excited about Christmas advert. Oh, controversially though, everyone, well not everyone, a lot of people are kicking off about the John Lewis advert, you know, where the boy is dressed in like girls clothing, have you seen it? No. So yeah, so it's just about um, a boy, he's like dancing, he's wearing lipstick and he's wearing a dress and he's like dancing around the house and people have been like kicking off being like, um, you know, this whole kind of like non-binary, gender fluid um trans they're like oh you're like persuading kids to like not be themselves and it's like i'm kind of like it can't do right for doing wrong though for me i'm like it's just a it's just a kid like dressing up and having fun end of like why do you have to go so in depth and scrutinize everything but if you don't have that diversity in your adverts and if it was a little girl in little girl's clothing people would be going well where's the diversity what if a little boy so you just we're living in this world like i went to see ricky gervais um a few weeks ago um, and obviously very controversial in his jokes and things like that. But the whole theme of like everything he was talking about was this over over political correctness, over worrying about, in, uh, not influencing, um, about uh, offending people and 
and that you can't, no matter what you do, you just can't do it right. You try and be inclusive and then you're being exclusive. It's just, um, it's just a very interesting time, isn't it? But it is, you know, we've talked about, like, I suppose greenwashing and all those things before, um, going off on a sort of tangent, but, like, it's where the brands do things for the right reason. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, I would say that... Um, John Lewis probably have. I don't know. Like well, people, people have been kicking off it. saying that it's sexist. Um, talking about gender ideology and oh, like, you, like you said, just can't do. Like they try and do something a little bit different, and they're still getting slightly. For, it just reminds me of that. Have you seen that dad <laughs> that goes to see Frozen with his son and his oh, son's just like oh, I love just that. Like, I don't know. Just let people be people. Let yeah. them do what they want. Why do you have to criticise everything? What was that amazing advert? Was it the Starbucks one that you showed our students? Yeah, a couple of years old though now. But that was the love. Yeah, game. I think 2018-19. It was. Um, it was a 2019 campaign. #What's your name? And essentially, the advert is showing a. Um, a female transitioning to a male and everybody was still using her female name and she wanted to be known as her male name. Um, And then when she went to Starbucks, she said her male name or he said his male name and that's what she was then, that's what was written on the cup and it was saying kind of like, you know, we're inclusive, you can be who you want to be, who you are when you walk into Starbucks, which I just think was a really good message. And they won the... um, Diversity and Advertising Awards, I think, back in 2009 for it because it was just such a moving um, advert, which I think was really clever um, because you could put any name on a Starbucks carpet. That, like, you could be like, anyone. You could be anyone. And it's that the idea, I said it to our students as well, that um, that Starbucks getting your name wrong thing is apparently part of what they do and why they do it because they get people, they say their name and they purposely spell it wrong so that people then post it to their social media. Yeah, which I just didn't even think about yeah, that. It's, clever, it's isn't great it? PR, isn't it? But again, people have um, slated this advert as well, both ways. Some people have said, you know, it's beautifully done, um, it's really moving, and other people have said it's really, like, hypocritical, and I'm like, oh. No, it's it's got a nice context in it. Like It, it has. Sh- I think it shows the, the society's struggles with getting their head around it as well. Absolutely. Um, whether that be right or wrong and, and like kind of levels of acceptance and self-acceptance and all these things. I just think it's, yeah, I think it's just really interesting. But it's at least brands are doing something and having conversations like you wouldn't have had this five years ago. Yeah, you so wouldn't let's, have let's applaud the brands that are giving it, it a go mm, and giving it a sure. go for the right reasons. And yeah. I think that really comes across. Because it's also educating people that are unaware of the evol- evolving society and changes that are happening. Yeah, absolutely. So it is about embracing it, coming together, being a community, helping each other and talking about it. And if we don't talk, we'll never learn. That is true. Moving on in terms of helping each other. Helping the world. Laura wants to talk about Coca-Cola as I'm sat here. Oh, with Coca-Cola. a bottle of cherry Coke. Cherry Coke. Here she is. She had two bottles yesterday. Don't we tell my teaching. dad. I'm supposed to be losing weight. Ian, tell her off. But anyway, Coca-Cola for the second year have been um, announced as the biggest polluters two years running. Absolute flipping disgrace, Coca-Cola, you naughty, naughty people. But you forget as well, like Coca-Cola own lots of other brands like Fanta and all they those do. things. They do, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's all of them. It's very naughty. But they have said, I think it's the beginning of November that they're saying that they are actually creating and releasing these recycled bottles. Um, so you know, I think there was a program on it a couple of days ago talking about cocoa and how bad it is and polluting the world and blah blah blah. Um, and they're actually doing something about it now. So thank the Lord, Coca Cola. Um, watch this space and see 
um, what's going to happen. But as you said, like it's only the clear plastic that can be recycled. So all the bottle caps and stuff can't. So yeah. I hope that's in their initiative as well to like change yeah. that. I mean, of course, I'm going to mention Joe Lysics. I seem to get him in on, in on every podcast and I want to interview him. Joe, listen and come and see me. I love you. Um, he did, I, I obviously love Joe Lysics, got you back. And he did this whole thing about, I've never heard of the brand called Yop. Um, he did that storm out on TV um, as a bit of a, like a PR stunt um, because he was campaigning for uh, the brand who used like white plastic um, and that um, can't be recycled. So it's actually, the same yeah. as like black plastic. You know, yeah, like it, it, it like has some of to be meats. white. So if, 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 if you know, like the Sprite bottles and they're green, they yeah. can't. No, they can't do anything with those. Which I didn't Awful. know, which is which is really interesting. Uh, you know what? I've got a great tip. If you love Coca Cola and you don't want to pollute the world, <laughs> go to McDonald's and have a McDonald's Coke. A, it's the best Coke in the world. And B, no plastic guns. Laura's, mm. Laura's. No, I'm just thinking like it's in a cardboard like um, cup. Yeah. But is it not got like a plastic film on so it doesn't disintegrate oh, quickly? Oh, it does. You know? Oh, we need to get got rid of that you. film, Huns. That's the next step for McDonald's, McDonald's then. Calling you out. Oh, I do love a McDonald's Coke. It's the best Coke in the world. I just don't notice the difference. Oh, my God. The sugar. The sugar. Especially if I've had a run. It's my treat. Oh, it? I love it. Mm-hmm. Their mind's all about Cadbury's. That's my treat. Mm. They've got a new bar out, Casper's Whisper Hazelnut. Had it the day. Mm. It was all right. Prefer Cadbury's Whisper Gold, though. They're just not the biggest chocolate fan, although I'm sitting here with a bar of milky, milky bar white chocolate. What a mm. child. What a child. <laughs> um, and then, so yeah, just that little digress onto plastic and just calling but out a brand. there's the plastic packaging tax coming in, so I reckon that is why they've made this. Exactly, we talked about their it a few back. weeks ago. They're yeah. saying, actually, this is going to cost us a shed load of money, so let's, let's do, do something, something about it. Not because they no. wanted to change the world for the better. And then finally, which moves on really nicely from saving the world and making the world a better place, um, Zalando CEO stated this week, I think it was in the Times, that fast fashion must be shelved in the next decade. No. uh, Yes and no. Yes and no. I will miss my primal pyjamas, though. a huge... It won't be shelved in the next 10 years. No way. It's a huge part of the of the fashion economy. I think significant changes will happen in the next ten years. Though. They I will think they'll drastically have to change. They will, but it's not. It can't disappear. And if it does disappear, it's only going to impact the the sector financially. Like it's only going to. Yeah, I mean, it's a big part of fast the fashion, fashion is accessible to a lot of people. Where if people don't have the budget to buy custom made items, or um, I guess items with a long a longevity that are more expensive then where are they going to get their clothes so there's got to be that change within fashion where these high price points fabrics or um you know natural dyes biodegradable fabrics um they've got to come down in in production costs but i think they will the more people it's like when you buy something if you buy it once it's a certain price but if you buy it 10 you know, 10,000 of it, it's like a lot cheaper. Like going to Costco, like a fashion Costco. Like going to Costco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cheaper the more that you buy. So maybe the more that it's produced and mass produced, the cheaper the um, production cost will come down. Yeah. I mean, we've got a fantastic sustainability expert on today. We do. I'm so excited to talk to yeah. her. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. I think it's just an ongoing conversation, isn't yeah. it? Big statements, mate, though. Big statements. It is, but isn't it? You know, we talked about um, Ganny a couple of weeks ago, a couple of podcasts ago, about um, how they were saying that they... What were they saying? We are not sustainable. That was it. We are not sustainable. But they've actually announced that they are getting rid of leather in their production. I saw that yesterday, Which yeah. I thought was brilliant. Well, it's difficult because 
where's the line? Like, I would never wear fur, but I would wear leather boots. So then the alternative mm. is, is plastic PU leather, which is very environmentally damaging in terms of the chemicals that they use. It's what bi- do we not even do, Hans? How do we even do I this? I know, it's a vicious cycle, but we could ask our guest today, couldn't we? Yeah, I'd ask what she thinks. So welcoming our amazing guest this week, Lucy Antonti, from across the pond. We are literally talking between the UK and Australia right now, Melbourne. Um, so welcome to the Fashademics podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be talking to you guys. Oh, it's, it's nice to be connected with the UK. It, yeah, oh. it's, it's amazing. I think this is our first guest that we've spoken to in another country. Outside of the yeah, UK, yeah. Which is pretty epic. I mean, if there's one good thing that's come from COVID, the way we work remotely now is just amazing and to have this opportunity to chat to you today is just fabulous so for our listener Lucianne is a fashion researcher a fashion writer editor um that specializes in um fashion sustainability which is obviously a a huge topic within the fashion industry something that we're interested in our listeners are interested in so we're so excited to hear your perspective and hear some of the things that you you know you're really passionate about and you research about Soak in all your knowledge, I guess. Yes. <laughs> That's what we're excited for. Um, but I want to start off with your um, brilliant website, Prelude, which showcases obviously several designers and their work. Um, and it's all about pre-order and made-to-order garments. So can you just tell us more about where this came from, a bit more about who you're working with and the journey of the business? Yeah, of course. So I used to live in Paris before COVID. Uh, and I had a showroom there. I worked with sustainable brands um, from Europe and the US mainly, and a couple of Australian ones. And we would do consulting and mainly sales strategies. And so I would have, they would come and bring their new collections to Paris every fashion week. And then COVID hit. And uh, we were always having conversations about um, how to be as sustainable as possible what that really looked like, you know, how you could run a business selling clothes and still, you know, have be doing things that were good for the environment. And uh, when COVID happened, I came back to Australia um, because we had just finished one fashion week and the next fashion week wasn't until June. And we were, I, my mom's a doctor, my brother's a doctor. They were like, just come back and just see what happens. And then when I got back, you know, the world stopped. It was March mm. 2020 and the border shut and um, there, were, there was not going to be fashion weeks for a while. So I started thinking more and more about what the brands could do to really, truly be sustainable. And um, one of the things we talked about was cutting out the middleman with wholesale, which yeah. In Paris, we were selling to stores. Yeah, so we wanted to do something direct to consumer and we wanted to, they're all independent designers, so we wanted to subvert the cash flow a little bit so they were getting payment up front before they went into production. And, um, yeah, we wanted it to feel like a really beautiful curated site. So it started out as pre-order and we were putting up collections when they would have normally been selling during Fashion Week. And then that also morphed into made to order which is kind of what the platform's operating more with now so order you would order a piece in your size you know size and style and whatever color you wanted it and then it would come say three months later when the rest of their production was finished and it would ship directly to you from the designer with Ah. made to order some of the brands can turn it around in like two to three weeks 
And so, you know, like Nitz from Aound, who's a, um, she works with uh, sheep farmers in Uruguay and they make really, she makes really beautiful jumpers by, with hand knitters. And so she can, you can order a jumper from her and, you know, you get it like three to four weeks after it's been ordered. So there was absolutely no waste was the model um, and also a better, a better price for the designers seeing more of a return because yeah. with wholesale your margins really squeezed and um, a better deal for the consumers because you, you were also getting a better price than at retail. Um, and also we wanted it to really be something where we could talk to people like you guys about um, the fashion industry and how it's changing and, um, you know, what the future of the industry might look like. I think it also provides like a better connection with the customers as well. If you've kind of got that relationship between designer and customer rather than having, as you said, that middleman. And I love the fact yes. that it's certainly like less wasteful because if it is kind of like made to order or um, made to the correct size, there's definitely less waste, which we need to see more of mm. in the fashion industry. Um, but do you feel post-COVID there's like a bigger desire for custom-made garments? And do you feel consumers are now kind of like more sustainable sustainably aware? I definitely feel, especially since COVID, I think people are more environmentally aware and they're conscious of where things are coming from, especially because there's been um a lack of certain products, whether it's clothing, whether it's food, you know, in the supply chains, we're we're limited in, in getting things, um, especially I guess in the UK shipped over because we are an island. Um, have you seen, yes. you know, a change since COVID? Yeah, absolutely. People's, like you just said, people's awareness of sustainability has has really increased and their desire to be doing the right thing and buying the right thing um, absolutely has increased. Uh, I think the step to pre-order and made-to-order, it's, um, it's asking a lot of the customers. I think there's an interest there and a desire to do well, but to, to do it, but uh, ordering something online that you're not getting for three months, it, we were we are asking people to really take a leap of faith in us. My hope with the platform was that we would eventually have a showroom where people could come in and still, still see and touch the garments that they were going to be ordering. Um, yeah, because across the board, everyone wants to know how to do the right thing now, yeah, I think, yeah. um, and it's just trying to figure out what that actually is and how that works in practice is what's tricky. Yeah, and I guess if you're ordering three months in advance, it's the consumer thinking ahead seasonally what what they what are the key pieces that they need. Yeah, and I think so my big the big thing is trying to get our consumption patterns to slow down. Yeah. And increase the amount of times that we wear each garment. And so in a perfect world, we would be out of that system of Oh, I, you know, I was leaving the house tonight, and I going, was going to my nephew's birthday party, and I and I was like, I just want a long black singlet dress, uh, you know, and it, it's not in my wardrobe because it's in my wardrobe coming from Paris. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, but it's like, but I want it now, and yeah. like I wanted, I wanted it right then, um, and it, you know, made me want to jump on my phone and order one so that I can mm. have one for the weekend. Um, but ideally, we would be thinking, I would be thinking about that dress as something that. I want for next summer as well and for the summer after that and yeah. be purchasing it in a way that when I saw it on Prelude, the perfect one that's expensive um, and I'm going to have to wait for, I don't care because I know that I'll, you know, wear it for the next 
three summers, four summers. It's so interesting that you say that because as, I'm going to sit here as a self-confessed. <laughs> like if I'm suddenly going out on the weekend, I'm like, right, next day delivery off a fast fashion website. I, I am becoming more aware. Probably speak to me 12 months ago and I'd have been like, no, like. Um, and I think it comes at a really interesting time. We were talking earlier in the podcast about the CEO of Zalando saying that fast fashion needs to be shelved or will be shelved in the next 10 years. So I think it's so interesting um, to hear mm. like because for, for me at the moment my consumption pattern as, as you say is like completely the opposite um so I think it's going to be really yeah. interesting to see how people like me and audiences like me change change your perspective yeah I guess. yeah well look I mean there's I think there's two ways it can go and maybe there will be two ways that it goes like there'll be more than one solution and one solution for fast fashion and something that H&M and Zara are spending a lot of time and money on is figuring out how to capture clothes that they've sold and recycle them. And, you know, if if, there will be people who would, experts who would tell me that it's not possible, but theoretically, if you're running all of the, all of that on green energy, all of your recycling plants and everything, and you've got perfect systems in place, you might be able to do it in a way that's carbon neutral. Mm. Like we can't now, Absolutely. The technology for recycling clothing is nowhere near where it needs to be, but there are very clever people working on it who have piloted solutions for for recycling clothes, but it's complicated. And, you know, and, but I'm, I'm very hopeful about where we can go with the industry. And I don't think there's, I don't think it's the right thing to like, to say that there's only one way I have an opinion on what I, how I like to dress and what I would like the way to be, but I think there's got to be space for, you know, there's so many people who love to shop in that way. Yeah. You know, that dopamine hit, get it now, um, you know, order it now, buy it tomorrow, have it tomorrow and wear it on the weekend. I'd love to Um, change. I'd love to, you know, and maybe it will, maybe um, that, that, like you said, that'll be the way it goes. I'd love to be able to think ahead and, and buy more staple pieces but, so yeah mate I think yeah it's, it's changing attitudes as well especially like you said Laura said about post-pandemic and yeah I think it's also making, making things accessible because of course we are seeing new fabrics um natural dyes you know we're seeing a lot of um ethical leathers that are being introduced you know Garnier said that they're doing they're getting rid of leather in their supply chain completely and using plant-based leathers um, so I think it's just making the price accessible, but I think the more brands that um, I guess invest in these these new innovative products, maybe the cheaper and more accessible they'll become. So that will filter down into the high street. Because at the moment, I feel like um, luxury might be easier to be more sustainable because it might be, um, as you said, made to order or custom made, where it needs to just trickle down to the high street. Yeah. Um, for those changes to be to be seen, I guess once it goes down to the high street in fast fashion, then people's opinions would will, will change. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I hope so. There's a whole. The biggest thing with fast fashion is really the quality. Yeah. Um, you know, because the say the Ellen MacArthur Foundation who do a lot of work to kind of reduce plastic waste and have done some really amazing research in the fashion industry, advocate for a circular fashion economy. So it starts with designing a product that's made to be longer wearing and then also you design with recycling in mind because there's certain things that make recycling easier like not blended fabrics, 
um, being able to remove um, hardware like zips and stuff like that. Um, and then um, you need the systems, like I was saying before, for capturing it and sorting it, and then you need the infrastructure to actually recycle it. But ideally in their, their world, all of the textile waste that we already have, which is insurmountable, mm-hmm. the stat is like a garbage truck of textiles goes to um, landfill or is burned every second. Oh, my God. Which is crazy. It's terrifying. Um, it's actually terrifying. Yeah. And you think about it, you know, you walk into some of your girlfriend's bedrooms and it's just piles and piles of clothes. And, Sophie's you know, bedroom. When you think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you go to op shops and it's the same thing. Um, it's very tangible and real, I think, to all of us that there's that level of textile waste is a problem. So, but if you imagine all of the valuable resources, all of the cotton, all of the viscose, you know, I hate polyester, but all polyester that's in those piles, if we can find a way to, like, regenerate that into new clothing, then yeah, uh, there's hope in a good space. Yeah. I think also, like, social media has a, a big um, part to play in this because we like to see things that are, I guess you have your photo taken online, you don't want to be seen wearing the same item twice, you don't want to go out and wear the same thing twice. I think there is that kind of, like, like guess, pressure, peer pressure. Yeah, I guess it? that Social is pressure. that. Yeah, and, which is just terrible. But it's like, how do we how do we change that? How do we promote and encourage people to rewear, reuse, recycle, um, and also and educate yourselves on 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 what your it what your products are made of? Well, this is where I think it gets quite interesting because. I love my clothes. I don't want to only wear them once. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I, I would still feel like that. Yeah. And that's where I think the shift in the, like the thinking needs to change because you, you're buying it thinking, I'm just going to wear it this weekend and then I'm going to buy something new next weekend. You know, that's where you can get in this cycle. But if you're looking at that dress being like, am I going to wear you, you know, for the next 10 years and mm. love putting you on every time? your metrics automatically changed. Like, yeah, is it yeah. orange? Does it have pockets? What kind of bra can I wear with it? You know, like, will it be comfortable? What will what shoes will I wear it with? What jacket? Is it versatile? Um, where can I see myself going in it? All of those and how many different places can I go in it? Um, but it's really, to me, I think it's about that joy. Like when, you, when you've got something that you love, that is beautiful. Yeah, you yeah, feel so good at it. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, because that's we want to stay in a space with this stuff that's joyful because it, it gets doom and gloom pretty quick otherwise, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think mm. we, we buy we buy certain products to make us feel good, whether it's high-priced items or, you know, like a new set of pyjamas. I think especially um, throughout the pandemic, uh, we all know that obviously there's been a big loungewear boom um, instead of, mm. I guess, like dresses and going out things. So it's interesting to see the patterns and how people are changing. But like I said, I definitely feel that people are more aware of where things are coming from. So I do feel we're starting to move in the right direction, especially um, like with our students. We do notice that they are more environmentally aware and they, and they want more transparency with items that they buy. 
Um, so I do think change change is happening, whether it's slow or not, there is a progression. I do suddenly feel awful. I'm sat here in a loungewear suit in the studio and I've just looked at my label. It's 80% viscose and 20% polyester. Oh, <laughs> I'm dear. a living nightmare. <laughs> I'm just trying to check mine to see what mine says. It, oh, it's, it, it's, yeah, it makes you think. Oh, like I've, that's the, I've had this loungewear suit. Oh, you know what? I've reworn this a fair few times. Yeah. I've had this <laughs> for a while. but I'm, My top's 95% cotton, 5% elastane, and then I've got lycra leggings on. But I do wear these all the time because they're so comfy. So I'm just, I feel like I'm trying to like justify, <laughs> justify my but clothing. Look, it's, it's really hard to find things that aren't blends. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And polyester is in like 60% of our clothes. So if the simplest, if all you do is think, okay, I'm just going to only buy things I love that I will wear over and over again. Mm. No, that's part of the battle, like you're kind of halfway there, you know. Um, of course, the differences in the materials is a whole other thing. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's it's also really you get into the weeds of it and it's really hard to know. Like, say, the viscose in your lounge suit, so maybe it was sourced from an endangered forest, which is scary. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it was, you know, created by Lenzig and, you know, it's like in some beautiful Swedish forest where there's like heaps of biodiversity yeah. and, you know, it was carefully cut down after they measured the trees to make sure that there was enough carbon still being stored. Like we really um, getting visibility into the roots of all of these products is yeah. the only way to know what's actually sustainable and not, you know. But I think even it- cotton, like, I think that people just don't know about it. Like, I think we're more aware because we we work in fashion, but we've had conversations with people that didn't realise that there was a job of, like, a buyer, you know? So it's it's how do we yeah. get that message across to to everybody about about the supply chain and what's happening? But um, you have a new book coming out next year um, called yes. Sundress, Natural Fibres and the Future of Fashion. So tell us a little bit more mm-hmm. about, I guess, when you wrote this, what is it? What is it about? Um, what was the, the journey of writing this book? So I'm still writing it. It's due next week. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and you're giving us your time this evening for you. Wow, thank you. I'm okay. I'm, I'm on schedule. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's about, it's about regenerative agriculture and integrating that into fashion supply chains. So I, I don't think we should wear polyester, really. I think we should pretty much only be wearing natural fibres. Um, and the book basically advocates that if we change the way we farm cotton, linen, silk, hemp, wool, uh, cashmere, we can actually drive positive outcomes for the landscapes that we're farming them on. And what I mean by that is... Um, it's like organic where you're not using any chemicals, pesticides, synthetic fertilizers, um, but you're actually going a step further and you're regenerating the health of the soil. Um, and what's really exciting about that is that soil actually sequesters carbon. So when plants are growing, they sequester carbon out of the atmosphere and then through photosynthesis, they pull the carbon down into the soil and, so it's a very good place to store carbon because it doesn't um, wow, okay. release it back into the atmosphere. It will stay there for a long time. And also you can restore biodiversity to the landscape. So once you're doing good things for the soil, and there's a number of different ways you do that, but it gets a bit technical, but you also see like 
native birds and um, bees and like good pests and like um, coming back. And so it's like moving a step forward from sustainable fashion where we're talking about fashion that can actively do good things yeah, for the, the planet. Yeah, the bigger, the bigger impact. Oh, that's, you know what? I'd absolutely yeah. love to read that, especially as, for me as someone that is on the fast fashion boat. Um, it just, I don't know, maybe it's educating myself and spending some time reading and understanding yeah. the depths of that and what, what we can actually do. I think that would be amazing. So you'll have to keep us updated as when yes, it's out. Definitely. And... We'll, love to, we'll love to read it and um, share it with our students and listeners as well about the actual you know, final release date when you've just done the, the, the last bit of editing <laughs> so you can let anybody, everybody know when that's going to be arriving. Yeah, it should be July next year, which feels far away now, but with the way the time is going, I think. Oh, it'll soon you know, be here. Something to look forward yeah. to, you know? Think of it that way. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for joining us today. We've really appreciated your time. We've learnt loads, had a good old little chit-chat, and it was lovely to um, meet and talk to somebody from the other side of the world. I know. Very exciting. Well, please. Well, lovely to meet you two guys. Please keep in touch with everything that you're doing. We'd love to know more about the business and um, we'll be closely following you on social media. Sounds great. Thank you so much. It was lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. Okay, so as we said at the beginning, Sophie and I can't agree on which product to talk about, so we're going to do them both. I'm going to start because. Mine's just absolutely sensational. And it's a company called UU, which is Y-U-Y-U. And the story behind this is when I graduated from uni, I broke up with my boyfriend and I moved back home with my parents. <laughs> and I didn't have anybody to spoon. And I was very, very cold. And my dad bought me a UU. Um, and it is essentially a hot water bottle that's the length of your body. And it, it is inc- incredible. You can wrap it around your waist you can have it around your neck and shoulders. You can wrap it around your head. Like, it's just amazing. Um, and I've had mine for, like, nine... The same one for nine years. That's, and a, that's good. It's lasted. It's really lasted. But the other day, I was twisting the little oh, cap off no. and the little plastic cap so snapped. snapped. So I was heartbroken. And um, I ran my mum and dad and I was like, it's finally just broken. I'm so sad. You're you, you. And they said, oh, we've already bought you a new one for Christmas anyway. Oh. So they sent me my new one because I just can't live without it. Like I get, very open, um, terrible period pain. So I like to just wrap it around my tummy. I get oh, migraines so I can comfort. like wrap it around my head. And it's just absolutely fantastic. So if you love a hot water bottle and you feel the cold like me, I highly recommend the, these UUs because they are just sensational. How different are they? You know, like you can just go to like B&M now and just buy like the, the pretty long fluffy water bottles. Yeah, but it's the quality. Like they're actually biodegradable as well, so they're very um. eco-friendly. But they're just like, I think if you bought one from like B&M or Primark or whatever, they wouldn't last. Like mine's lasted nine years and I'm just going to get a new like lid for it. The actual hot water bottle is still in perfect condition. And, like, at the moment, I'm filling it up, like, three times a day um, for, like, pain and certain things. And I just I just love it. Like, it's just so, so good. Um, I think they're a great little stocking filler, um, a great brand. I know they're in, like, um, Selfridges. I think they're in, like, Harrods and things. They're in, like, department oh. stores. So they're really, really good. Check them out. Highly recommend. Couldn't love them enough. How much are they? I think mine, you can get different ones because you get the hot water bottle, but you get to choose like the sleeve of it. So I always get a fleecy one because they're all nice and just soft and little, you can just cook up to it. Um, but you can get like cashmere ones, you can get loads yeah. of different ones. But I think mine was about £30. And if it's lasted me nine 
years. Yeah, that's that's like cost per wear, cost, cost per hug, cost per hug, yeah, <laughs> or cost per wrap. Absolutely worth it. Um, so get one for the winter. Yeah. I mean, I've got I've got like a B and M version that I do love, but although but I don't think they're as long. No, mine's like probably. I mean, I'm indicating a couple of meters. Is that a couple of meters? That's not a couple of meters. That's a couple of meters. You're only like one meter four, one meter five. I don't know, but it's not full length. It probably like goes from like my, under my chins <laughs> with your like cuff, your chin cuff above my knee. Maybe I'm trying, to... but like it's got <laughs> a see me right It's now. got a thing that when you tighten it, it's got like a long piece of fabric, so you can tie it to the other end. Oh, so that when yeah, you wrap no, it, you, so depending that's... on what size you are. How big your waist is, or your neck, or your head, or your chin—you can you can like release me. it and make it tighter, looser. Um, yeah. So it's really good. Love it. I love that. So to be much. fair, especially saying early, it's this time of the year now. Yeah, dark night. Got to get start mornings. Absolutely, Udi's are back out. Get a nice cozy. If wherever I get my hot water bottle out there, the dogs just hog it. Do they? Simba has this thing with heat. It like he just loves radiators. Anything that's warm, he will not leave. So sometimes I end up wake up and it's like under Simba's belly and I'm like hun that wasn't for you that was not the intended use of this product I just love a hot water bottle I I know I sound like I'm obsessed and I am but it's if someone said to me what is your top three products in the world you you'd be one of them yeah 100% it's got me through some some bad times comfort as well and I like how you can like spoon it and run it down the front of your body and (laughs) And you can wear it like a, like, you know, those Hindu sashes. Oh. I wear it like that, like over one shoulder, wrap it round. You know what? It's just come back to me. Very Season versatile. one. Season one. <laughs> the H&M cuddle jacket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Get yourself a UU. Very versatile product. Well, there you go. Um, mine's a bit random. So I suppose no, neither of these are really fashion products, but it's it's products the fashionemics love we're making them fashionable we are um mine is actually it's kind of half pitching a podcast slash a product so um earlier this year i've always been um an optimist i'm very optimistic person a very realistic person but i've really um this year got into the law of attraction i think i've mentioned it before on podcasts um my partner was poorly um earlier in the year i was talking about this last night actually um and my friend emma shout out to emma kids emma green She's Emma Armstrong Craddock now. And she was like, right, you need to listen to this podcast. And it's a podcast called The Law of Attraction Changed My Life um, by Francesca Amber. And I really like it because I love all the Law of Attraction stuff, but you generally find it's a lot of, like, crazy Americans that, like, it's it comes across quite preachery and I just can't quite, like... Um, but I love her. She's from Essex. She's brilliant. So she, like, she sent... My friend Emma sent me this health podcast about... Um, positive thoughts around health and stuff like that. So it really helped me through um, everything that's happened this year in my partner's, well, now husband's life. Um, so I've really bought into this podcast. I absolutely love it. And I had just... I, really, I write down my gratitudes every day. We're talking do, about this. Yeah, Laura appears on my gratitude list a lot of the time. Um, and I write down my gratitudes every day. Um, it's just as a bit of practice for me. They say, like, the more you're grateful of, the more that you... you comes it, to you like I think a it magnet. puts a positive spin on your day as well because yeah. if you've had a, like a rubbish day there's still things you can pull from that day you can be thankful for like the small things I think it might yeah I'm preaching here but I don't do it and yeah. I feel like I need to yeah, even the gratitude is just a small way to just go you know what yeah I know these things are going on but you know what I'm so grateful that I've got my car on the drive or I've got you know um, I sound like I'm doing a whole other podcast now but then they also say like you have to be grateful for what you've got in order to to receive receive more, more. um and um also they say about like taking like inspired action so like even if like you can't afford something or 
um, it's not guaranteed that's going to happen. Like taking action towards that, all this, all this stuff. I do, I do it all. Um, and I just had a really great day last week, and I've had my eyes. She's got, um, she's launched like a law of attraction shop, and she does all these amazing candles and stuff like that. And she launched these necklaces, really simple necklaces that just say either like thankful or gratitude. I bought the gratitude one, and I had just an amazing day. Me and my partner are selling our house, and buying a new one, and all this stuff. And like, you know, like one thing after the other happens. Yeah. And I've wanted to buy this necklace for ages, and I was like, you know what, this is the day this that is I'm going to buy my necklace. So I bought this gratitude necklace and I absolutely love it. It's just something really, really simple. And, you know, I mean, some people will listen to this and go and shop, so I don't not a love attraction fan or anything like that. But it's something that, like, it's a product, but it's become, like, part of, all, like, like a habit already. And yeah. I really love, like, if I have a little bad thought or my mind goes somewhere, like, um, I just, like, hold my necklace. Maybe that's a thing, yeah. like, because... I mean, I've got mine and Rob's initials on my necklace. Cute. I think it's just Too absolutely cute. adorable. But yeah, I guess when you fiddle with it, you just kind of brings me back almost to... flags a memory or, or flags like a purpose, and then you think, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, what am I thankful for? Like a reminder, yeah. I guess. And I think I, I brought it on that particular day because I was like, wow, I'm really grateful for everything that's happened to me yeah. today. It was I think that's big... a lovely thing to do. Yeah, and I just I don't know, like you know, some people might listen to this and just go, no, I'm not interested in this kind of stuff, but. I think it's just really important in terms of like self care and looking after your own mental health mm. and just, you know, um, looking for the positives. It's just like little things. And so, yeah, I'm wearing it. I haven't taken it off since I brought it. Um, and I will continue to be grateful. I love it. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's at Francesca Amber and at Law of Attraction Change for Life is in the podcast. And you can buy all the products and stuff like that. But it might not even be for you. They're, like nice, they're nice gifts as well. Like yeah. I brought um, my friend Emma, like I said, she really loves it as well. So I bought her one of the gratitude candles um, for her birthday. So in terms of gifts, you know, Christmas is coming up, guys. Ah, I love Christmas. Away, We're going to have to do like a whole Christmas episode, yeah. all those things. But yeah, I just, I just think, you know. Well, I'm grateful for my you, you, so. Oh, and I'm grateful for. <laughs> Both very giftable. I'm grateful for all our listeners. There we go. That's going to be on my gratitude oh, yeah. list today. Oh, you guys. Thank you so much. We love you. So that is it. Episode three. Done Boom. and dusted. Done. I In hope, the bag. I hope you've enjoyed Completed. yourself. Wherever you are, driving to work, driving to uni, having a bath. I'm trying to think of all the places I listen to podcasts. I've certainly listened to podcasts before I go to sleep. Not, not murder ones. Oh, I, um, I do. You're so weird. But I'm, I get into bed and I'm like, oh, I don't want to put anything on the TV, but I, I, I need to listen to something or do something. And it actually gets me to go to sleep a bit easier, even when it's about murder. I think I'm so switched off to wild. blood and guts and gore and all those things now no. that I'm just like, yeah, I was no. going to listen to this murder. I'm going to fall asleep talking about Ted Bundy or Charles Manson or something like that. But anyway, thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed our... Um, conversations, our lovely guest. Um, oh, Lucianne, we love you. You're fabulous. Love her. She was just fantastic. Can't wait to see more of what she's going to do. Um, please keep um, listening to us. We appreciate it so, so much. And as I always, always beg, please subscribe. Um, the more you subscribe, the more people. Um, the more visible listen, we are. Visible. Yeah. yeah. The one thing that you could do today that I would be really grateful of, because I'm all about the gratitude, is just click that subscribe link. It means that you don't have to do anything, that you don't have to think, oh, there's a new episode out. Oh, it, it just, it arrives in Spotify. There you go, hun. You can screenshot it and share us on an, um, and send it to us on Instagram so we know who you are. We'd love to know more about our listeners. Yeah, where, We can really see good. roughly which countries, that, where you guys yeah, are. Yeah, so interesting. Hello to the person in Iceland. <laughs> we have one listener in Iceland, whoever you are. I love this. Message us. Who are you? We love it. We've got five in Russia. 
five downloads in Russia. That's yes, that's correct. Speak to us. We're all like, you scatter loads which is great. We love it. But we'd love to hear more about you. So please subscribe. Please contact us. If there's any topics you'd like us to speak about, we welcome them with open arms. We've got some fantastic guest lines up. Oh, my God, we are so, so excited. So please stay tuned. I'm going to go shopping after this and buy something new pyjamas from Primark and then I'm going to go and have a hair appointment because Laura's got the afternoon off dum 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 then I'm going to watch Derek Shepard die <laughs> in Grey's Anatomy don't die dude I know but he did cheat on Meredith though that was really naughty thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app